What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in and checking out the Hustle the Most podcast. This is episode number six, where we are talking with a longtime friend, Brandon Trammell, who's been a friend of mine since I was 11 years old. And we actually talked so long on the last episode that we decided to cut it and kind of turn it into two episodes. There's just, you know, you have 20 years of history and there's just a lot to talk about, a lot of stuff to cover, and there's just a lot of goofiness that happens when you know someone that long and you've been through the things that we've been through and have done the things that we've done. So it's, it's pretty cool to get to sit and talk and rap with him about different things. Um, earlier on, we actually were in bands together and did all kinds of cool stuff together. And then as we got older, we both kind of went separate ways and did separate kinds of bands and toured the world in different places. And we came back together to do this podcast and kind of talk about the different things that we've learned. So it's pretty awesome. So we're going to pick up pretty much right where we left off talking about the band name. No one ever got the band name. We didn't let it out of the bag yet. So getting the band name. And then we're going to talk also about what we've learned from being in a band and what that experience is kind of like and how it kind of uh, shapes us as people and the things we do today. So here we go. Check it out. So I remember, you know, Brandon now had this guitar and it was, it was, it was pretty sweet and I was going to play the drums. It was going to be awesome. And uh, I knew a few kids in my school that kind of played drums. And my brother was always into drums. And it's funny, he, he used to air drum a lot, but I never really saw him play. He had these crazy black lacquered drumsticks that he used to spin around. And he would always be like, black lacquer sticks, man. Like they were, you know, like cat's pajamas. And I didn't know anything about drumsticks. So, of course, I was like, man, my brother's got black lacquer sticks. They're so, <laughs> they're so awesome. And so, anyways, a kid in my biology class who was a, he was a big Pantera fan, actually. And according to him and his electrically taped uh, microphone, he was going to be the next Phil Anselmo. <laughs> and <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, right? I don't. I don't remember that. Hey, Chris Ament. Is, oh, is, God. Yes, I forgot about him. He used to carry around this microphone. He was like, you know, I just remember him in biology class. He would be like, one, two, three, four. <laughs> doing, these, like, doing these like Pantera. He was actually supposed to sing for our first band and he just he, never showed up. Yeah. Well, we also didn't have a PA. We didn't have right. money. We yeah. have there was anything, nothing to sing out of. Yeah, <laughs> anything you need to be in a band, right? We didn't have that. We but just had a garage. We did have a garage. And I, I remember asking him, telling him I was looking for a drum kit at one point. And he was like, he's like, ah, uh, you know, I have some drums and, and I'm not really using them. And I think at one point he told me he was using the, one of the drums as a clothes hamper. Like he, he had like <laughs> nice. literally dirty like socks and, and, and stuff in that, uh, that floor tom. and he ended up, he's like, yeah, I can probably part with it. And it was, we were going over to pick it up and it was all over his house. He had like bass drum was here and it had this and it had this, this drum was over here and this drum had laundry in it. And one of them, a symbol he had just spray painted. So this drum kit was actually the worst drum kit ever. As it were, not the worst ever. Um, it was pretty awful though. And so it was actually an old Ludwig kit and there was, it was a five piece kit and there were no, um, no heads on the bottom of any of the drums. There were hardware for some of them, but like no hoops, just kind of lugs. And um, if you don't know anything about drums, it's not super important. It's just basically parts and pieces you need to make a drum set. And we had a, there was no kick pedal, no hi-hat. Forgot about the no kick pedal. Yeah, and yeah. no pedal. I remember my dad being like, just tape a stick to your foot and just <laughs> kick it. That was his. Oh, that's classic Daryl. Yeah, that was, his, that was his way of, you know, just helping me out. And so there was some hi-hat symbols that were painted uh, not painted, sorry, they were um, like bent and, and just all crispy and crappy and broken. And then there was a ride symbol that was spray painted yellow. And um, it was 
pretty awful, but it was a start, right? And so we had agreed that I would buy the kit for 80 bucks and we would take payments. So, you know, he allowed me to pay him, you know, 20 bucks a month for like the next four months. And I spent $80 on this drum kit. And I actually had no idea at the time, but buying that drum kit actually uh, changed my life kind of forever. So it's pretty bananas. I remember, I remember bringing home that drum kit that day. Do you remember me showing up? I do. I totally and do. We were in the basement at the time Yep. In, in my dad's house. And I remember we were down there trying to play like Metallica songs or whatever. And I had no, I had no snare drum. Like I had, no, yeah. I had just nothing. And so I remember being, uh, being in this, like, I didn't really know how to play a beat. So I was just like going back and forth between the toms. And, and I think it was our first, maybe our first or second day down there. Like my brother's friend came over and this kid, Jeff, his name was Jeff Cotner, I think. Oh yeah. And he came over and he's the guy that we would be playing something. He would just want to solo over everything. Right. Remember this yeah. kid? And he had, and he had like in this amp, it wasn't amazingly giant or anything, but it was definitely a, uh, bigger than what we had. And we thought he was pretty cool. I remember him wearing like a black trench coat. That's all I really remember. <laughs> nice. And him having like this weird mustache. But, you know, as I, as I talk about in other episodes, you know, it's weird because I think that drumming has really, um, we'll get into it later more about kind of the, the drumming aspect of it and what that really means and kind of what it did and where it took me. But, um, you know, it's crazy. Like, you know, poor kid from Flint spends 80 bucks on a drum kit and then I'm able to travel the world and see things I was only able to see in like books. And so it was pretty cool to be able to, to make that transition over the years. But before, you know, before we were able to, um, you know, tour the world and do stuff like that, we obviously all have to start somewhere. And what, what was the name of our first band? I don't remember if this is a name we settled on, but the name that you teased me about mercilessly for years was in a notebook of mine. And I was like, what do you think about this? What if we call our band Rehabilitated Hamster? <laughs> I'm sure you said no, so I'm sure that wasn't the name of the band, but I, I didn't live that down for a long time. I think I was in my 30s the last time that, that I heard that name. It's funny because it's still, it's still funny. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't really know how to... It's still funny to this day. I mean, if you saw that, I mean, the, the thing about band names is that band names generally are pretty awful. There are some Especially pre- when you're 14. Well... <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, the, the band names you come up with, I think at one point we, we were trying to name the band Farmer's Lung. Oh, God. <laughs> at one point. That, that was a real, that uh, was a real name, I think. Uh, Leonard's Innards. That was one. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Leonard's Innards. Uh, so, our buddy who started the band with us, Chris Rourke, R.I.P. Chris Rourke, uh, he, oh, miss. <laughs> <laughs> let's wait let's back up for a second so <laughs> let's let's talk about chris for a second so okay. we had we had fun we had a lot of fun hanging out with chris and um chris had i remember one time he had this paper route and we stayed over his house and his mom was always like no you got to get up and do your papers in the morning and so you can't have anyone stay over he's like mom i will i will and we decided we were going to help him and so i don't remember him giving us like a map or or like houses <laughs> that got these papers i remember us folding papers and putting them in the the big paper bag and then i remember us going out to and delivered some papers it was really cold yeah yeah and then at some point we ended up um we, we had this idea we we're gonna deliver papers on our skateboards 
at like 4.30 in the morning on a Sunday <laughs> in, in like February. Yeah, and, but it, it wasn't snowy, so we were able to at least go out and ride the streets and with skateboards. I don't know if you've ever tried to ride a skateboard with, you know, 40 or 50 pounds of <laughs> things strapped to you in one direction or another, but it's not, <laughs> it wasn't easy. And I remember us delivering a handful of papers, and then at some point we ended up at some curb, skating some curb, and right. then went to do, uh, Taco Bell and got breakfast burritos. And that's, that's all I really remember about, about that time. But the Leonard's innards portion comes from his dad's, his dad was named Leonard, yeah. Leonard, right? Lenny, they Lenny. call him Lenny. Yeah. And, uh, and he was awesome. And he was always like, were they from the South? They're from Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. Cause he, I, he definitely had a, Hey, Chris kind of like look <laughs> <laughs> a, a timbre to his voice. Right. And, and so, uh, he was a, he was a pretty funny guy, but somehow we decided that a, a possible band name would be Leonard's innards. Chris originally said dead Leonard. And we were like, <laughs> no, that's a little, that's a little harsh. <laughs> a little morbid, right? <laughs> a little morbid on dad. But, uh, yeah, Leonard's innards. That's awesome. And we, we ended up with, um, we ended up in a band, you and me. And we had a couple different iterations of people in the beginning where we had, right, right. we had, uh, we had Eric Lease. Oh yeah. He was going to sing for us. He was going to sing. And then we ended up with Eric Allen as well. And it was us. Who else? He, me. What about Josh and Justin? Were they actually, were they ever actually supposed to be in the band or were they just like. Who's Josh? Josh Cross. Oh, oh, snap. <laughs> I'm like Josh Cross. Yeah. No, Josh, Josh and Justin played in another band with um, a guy that played in our band named Eric. And he played in the band, they were called Blind Eyes. Right, Blind Eyes. And I think that they, I think they had a drummer and he moved away. And, and those guys, I don't think they really ever, I don't think we'd plan on having the band. I, I've never played with them. Yeah, I, I know it never happened, but I, well, there's a lot of guys like that, that where it was like, oh, yeah, you can be in our band. And then it just never happened. Right, right. But by that case, we'd probably have, you know, right. as many people on stage, like John Mayer or something, where he's like, you know, 50 people right. on stage and one guy's playing the, the clave. Right, <laughs> one guy's playing the tambourine, and um, you know, there's three girls singing and right, all right. kinds of stuff. But so, what we ended up in a band that was called Jive. Jive. We, we, <laughs> I don't remember. I think that at the time, Eric uh, was a good friend of ours, and we used to skate. And we, it's funny, we all skateboarded together. We all played hacky sack together, and threw footballs together, and frisbees, and whatever. We did all these crazy things together, and. He would always, I don't know why, but he would always like, that's jive, man. Right. That's jive. Right. Somehow, you know, kids latch onto these words and they just ride them out for a while and then they become, you know, part of their vernacular. And eventually, like, my dad did that where when we, everyone started saying bet, we were kids or bet dog, yeah, bet dog. Yeah. My dad said that until I was 40. Right. Right. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it was funny because it actually had went out of style and came back in style. Right. Right. And so uh, jive was just one of those things. So we had a, a band that was called Jive. And we were not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one way to put it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was where we all learned how to like be musicians. I would say, like how to be in a band with other people, because before that, we were all just bedroom players. Well, for you, for drums, you kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like you needed to play with with human beings to to kind of progress and get better. I would say, but the rest of us would just play along to records in our bedroom, like. I got a phaser pedal for Christmas and just played every Cure album over and over and over and learned how to play <laughs> that way. 
or Eric learned playing against Live Slayer records or whatever. So, <laughs> do you remember the Blind Eyes recording of the song that they played, where he had taken the live tracks from Seasons in the Abyss yes. with the crowd? It was like, <sighs> oh, decade of aggression. Yeah, decade, yeah, yeah, yeah. there we go, decade of aggression. And he's he had it playing. And it was like, <sighs> all of a sudden, be like. <laughs> and then it would start his his song. Totally his, forgot about that his part. Band that's, song. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and it was awesome. He could play along with it, and he was like this total metal shredder, down picker, um, just Slayer dude, right? Um, total like Jeff Heineman, just getting into it. Um, and he had long hair, so it kind of worked, right? right? Kind of fit. He was way different than the rest of us in that way. Like we were all trying to just be as weird as possible, and he was like really technical and could actually play his instrument, and made us all kind of try harder, I guess. Yeah. Oh, he definitely he definitely raised our game, and it's it's funny because you know now, um, you know he's a big, uh, touring country star, and I think he brings a level up to any band that he plays in. Sure. And just everyone, he's always been a great musician, so everyone that that's played with him just has to up their game or get out, I guess. Right. It's uh. Well, that's kind of his rule. <laughs> he's good, and he's it's good. Been his rule. He's good at it. So it's it's you know kudos to him. But I I remember you know it's funny I was. I was I was thinking about this for, for a future episode, but we could just jump into it now and just, and just kind of talk about it that, you know, being in a band is interesting because I think back then, um, you know, none of us really knew how to communicate very well right. as humans anyway, as, as kids and being, you know, 13, 14, 15, you kind of, you don't understand what it's like to say something and what the repercussions might be and how you might stomp on someone's feelings, you know? Right. And now all of a sudden we're in this position where we're in a band and we're trying to play songs and we're not only trying to speak English, but we're also trying to speak like music speak. Right. You're right to each other. And we all kind of learned together and we kind of knew what, you know, each other was thinking and eventually it, it kind of worked itself out. But I think that anytime, I mean, you've played in several bands since then, right? you know, I have well, and there's always that weird beginning part where, you know, someone's like, well, you know, I usually call it this or I call it this. And there's like a whole language, um, and you have to learn how to navigate and how to use your voice yeah, differently yeah. than you would do in a normal conversation. For sure. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I can think of several times where I'll be behind the drums and I'll just say something to someone and, you know, they may, and it's crazy. They may have spent, you know, 15 hours working on this riff that they showed up to practice. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Right. And it's just like, it's such a, I mean, as an artist, that's such a hard thing to, to do and to say. And I, you know, now as a, as a designer, I can definitely attest to, you know, putting 15 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours of work into something and have someone just trash it, right? Because, you know, the, I've, I've something I learned in my career is that just because you spend a lot of time on something doesn't necessarily make it good. Yeah. It sure. just makes it done or at least, <laughs> you know, in a complete state, right? Um, do you remember any times that you've had band altercations? I mean, I know we had several band altercations. In sure. Our, right. I remember right. some guitars getting thrown at one point and, you know, we had some different dudes in the band at the time, but I mean, do you think, can you think of like, you know, reasons why you'd have altercations that you look back on now and you're like, oh, that was really dumb. Why would we even talk about that? I think all of them in, in like in later bands, especially when we were in spit together, we were all just a bunch of kids trying to figure out like how we even feel about things, m much less try to communicate them with people. You know, being in a band when you're young is like being on a sports team with no manager. So like you got to figure it out. I mean, if, if you want to get out there and play, you got to figure it out. So, and I think we had a hard time like getting past that. So for me, that's what, which was the band after Jive Spit was, that was the band that I learned like how to get along with other people. Whereas Jive, we were all kids and just, it was just fun. Like there was no goal. 
The goal was to play at the Capitol Theater in Flint. That was it. That was the goal. And we did that, like, second show we played. So Yeah, that was pretty awesome. That was um, pretty awesome. But, yeah, I, I think being a kid, oh, man, it's probably the best thing that I learned. It's, it has nothing to do with music or with art or expression. It's just being around people and figuring out how to exist together without killing each other. It's weird that that's even a thing. I mean, if you watch, you know, there's bands that have documentaries like watching that Metallica, some kind of monster. I mean, that's, you know, pretty much band practice on steroids, obviously. Right. right? But it's, um, you know, those guys had years and years and years of pent up, you know, you did this, you did that, you said this, you said that. And it just all kind of came to a crescendo and exploded and they recorded the whole thing, which I thought was awesome and terrible at the same time. Right. Because, right. you know, it's like airing your dirty laundry, man. It's, it's tough. It's tough to put that out there. You know, one of the things that I've learned from, from being in a band is that, you know, how do you communicate with people in a way that you get your point across and it's, it's you know, there's somewhat of a democracy, right? It's, it's, not a, it's not a my way or the highway. And it's, you know, sometimes people have different parts and pieces that they want to bring and, you know, you have to try them and you have to give them, a, give them their time and to, you know, put that riff out there and be like, oh, this is good, this is bad. Or, you know, and you're not the only one that has a, an opinion about it. I'm sure other people do. And sometimes you get the passive guys in the band that they're like, yeah, it's okay. Or they don't want to say much, right? I'm not trying to call out a certain person from our, <laughs> from our old band, but, uh, you know, it would just happen. And some people are just really go with the flow and they just want to play and don't care. But some people are really driven on creating a, a cool experience or a cool product or whatever, you know, for other people to listen to. And sometimes they think the best way is their way. And, you know, that's just how it goes. But I think we all learn how to navigate those situations as we kind of come into them over and over and over again. Yeah, I think the further in that point, I, th I think that there's definitely like specifically one person that we played with for a long time that is a my way or the highway guy. But his whole thing was, I'm only going to play stuff that moves me. I'm only going to play stuff that makes me super stoked. And if I'm if I'm not stoked on it, then I don't want to waste my time with it, which I think I totally get that. And I think that that's a pretty I don't want to say an honorable way, but it, it's it, like it makes sense for that someone would be that way. I'm not that way. So as long as people are up front with you know, their intentions when it comes to band stuff like that. I don't have a problem with it. It doesn't bother me. I mean, because if, if you're dead set on creating something that is like, you're truly just super passionate about awesome for me, I just, I want to create, I want to make something and I don't, I don't think about where it goes from after practice. I, I really don't like, I want to be able to record it and have a document of it, but I'm not thinking about are people going to like this. Like, that's just not, my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that, though. A lot of people... Oh, for sure. You know, there's definitely a couple camps where someone's like, you know, we're, we're going to write a song and we're going to put it out there. We want people to listen to it and sing along to it and be a part of it. We want people to, you know, we want to, whatever the goal is. I think that, you know, I, I feel every song should have some sort of a goal um, in the sense that you're like, oh, well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. Sometimes you write and create things to create, but I think that also the, you know, there's the thing where, for example, you're writing a record and you have you know, 10 songs that are all like this. And you're like, we don't have anything that has like a bounce to it. For sure. Yeah. You know, we don't have anything that has a really good halftime that makes people like kind of just, you know, bob their heads or, or anything like that. We have no pogo part. Right. So then just knowing where those gaps are and how to shore up those gaps based on creating a full product or a full record or whatever. But I think when you're younger, like you don't care about that stuff. Yeah. You want to play something that's fun. And I went through this for a lot of years where I just wanted to play fun stuff. And if it wasn't fun, I wasn't have fun doing it, then I would quit and do something else. Sure. Something that I think was that's more... valid too. Like as long as you're like vocal about it and people know, 
the the problems that I get are when like people at practice when you're writing stuff and they go along with it and then afterwards you find out that they're not into it and they don't want to do it and they tell other people but don't tell you and it's like all that weird like I went through all that when I was younger and I don't I don't care to waste my time with that stuff now. You know, I'm going to just defend that real quick cuz I do think that sometimes things sink in. Like I mean we've oh, all done were, the yeah. thing where we've played something at practice and thought it's awesome and we come back to play it and you're like, "Oh, Right. It just because you get in the moment. Totally right. Right. Um, I remember one of the other bands I was in from Detroit, we had written some part and we came back and we, th- we were like so stoked on it. That was the coolest thing ever. And we came back and played the next day and we're like, man, that sounds like Pearl Jam. And like our band didn't sound <laughs> anything like Pearl Jam. Right. And it was not something that we were even trying to go for and nor would that fit in anywhere in our set. But uh, I mean, it's a hardcore band. Right. So right, right. It, it's, it didn't make much sense for that. So this is the point in the podcast where we talk about kind of what did I learn from all this and Brandon's going to stick around and do kind of weigh in on the stuff that I've learned. And, and I'm sure he's got some, uh, definitely some tidbits to throw in here as well. So I think that what I really learned from a lot of this, I mean, jumping into a band and trying this something new and just having no idea what's going to be the outcome. Um, I think it, a good thought is that I really learned if you jump in with both feet, you never really know what you're going to get out of it. You never know what kind of surprises lie down that road. And I mean, we both jumped into things, you know, with two, with two feet and head first and, and, you know, it's sink or swim and we've done it. I mean, you've done it before in other bands you've been in for sure, starting something new. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a, always a good thought. I think that I also learned that it's much harder to come up with reasons not to do something opposed to just jumping into it. Uh, the way I look at it is the only real question you should ask yourself is, uh, one, am I going to die? And, <laughs> and uh, it, if the answer is no, which hopefully it is, then you're like, okay, let's give it a go. It seems like pretty good logic, right? Sure. When I you're mean, young. Yeah. Well, I mean, even when you're old, right? I mean, uh, sometimes uh, it might not be jumping in a band. Sometimes it's jumping in a pair of uh, skinny jeans that you shouldn't be wearing when you're 45. Ooh, I'm only 42. <laughs> I'm not that skinny. <laughs> No, it's, it's, I, I think it's, it's about risk, right? It's about <laughs> sure. risk and navigating risk. So, and that's what we're really trying to get at. So, um, I think the best thing you can learn, um, from all this is that you should always be open to trying something new and if it can make you more well-rounded and it can expose you to new things, you might make some new friends, come up with new experiences and have some memories that will last you for the rest of your life. You agree? Absolutely. hundred percent. hundred percent. You heard it here first. So I want to thank you again for tuning in to the Hustle the Most podcast. My special guest and longtime, lifetime friend, Brandon Trammell. Say goodbye, Brandon. Thanks for having me, man. Cool, man. Thanks for stopping by. And uh, if you're listening to the Hustle the Most podcast on iTunes, give it a like, give it a share, give it a review. And again, thank you for listening to the Hustle the Most podcast. This is episode six. Check out more stories, photos, and connect with me at hustlethemost.com. We'll see you on the next one. (laughs) 